Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, real quick question. Uh, all over the auditorium, how many of you are married? Would you just raise your hand if you're married? Uh, keep your hand up real high. Raise your hand. I'm married. I'm proud. I'm, I'm married. All right. Leave your hands up. Be honest with me. Leave your hands up. Be honest. How many of you that have your hands raised, you had an argument with your spouse in the last month? Keep your hand up. Keep my hands up. Keep it up. Keep it up. We had an argument in the last month. Okay. Okay. In the last week. Had an argument last week. All right. Uh, this morning, before you, on the way to church this morning, you were in the car during worship. During worship, you're, you need some Jesus. You need to be worshiping Jesus because you need some help. Yeah. We, we all have arguments and fights. Let me ask you, those, everybody that had their hand up, we've had an argument over the last month or week or whatever it is. Was it over something stupid? Every time I look back, let me just kind of give you a, 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 a look into my life. Every time I look back at a, an argument that Hope and I have, uh, Hope's my wife, um, I, I think, man, that was stupid. <laughs> I did something stupid. Uh, I usually said something stupid or I acted away or I had some kind of attitude that when I look back and think about it, I'm thinking, why did I even do that? You know, what, what, is, what is it about our spouse that can really just tick us off. Like, like there's something about him or there's something about her that, that can make you angrier than anybody else on the planet. <laughs> it's like, oh, just, just irks you so easily. They, get, they can make us so angry. And, and the truth is, you know, all of us that raise our hands, we kind of recognize this. If you're newly married and you're like, we never fight, um, here, here's the truth. And, and again, if you're a first or second time guest, this should put you at ease, uh, the kind of church that we are. There is no such thing as the perfect marriage. Like it doesn't exist. All, all, the, all the Hollywood movies that uh, try to make, uh, portray that, that this couple lived happily ever after and it was just, you know, cheesecake and butterflies and lovey-dovey eyes for the rest of their life, it's a lie. It doesn't exist. The perfect marriage does not exist. If, 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 if I were to ask you, give me, give me your top 10 list. Give me, give me a list of 10 things that's wrong with your spouse. I guarantee you everybody in the room that's married could, could rattle off 10 just right like that. Like, pfft, 10? I got 10 on my phone in my notes app just in case we get in an argument and I need some ammunition. I keep 10 ready to roll. What are you talking about, Pastor Josh? I can, I can rattle off 15, 20. Are we, we don't have enough time. I can just keep on going. You see, every marriage has issues. There is no perfect marriage. We've all got problems. We've all got idiosyncrasies that tick the other one off. We've all got tendencies that get on each other's nerves. Hope and I, in our marriage, we have issues. You know, I'm not like, I'm not one of those preachers that's going to stand up there and, and, and be like, you need to have a marriage like mine because we live happily. Every morning when I wake up, Hope's singing, how great is our God, how great thou art to me as I rise out of bed. And, and we have a Bible study right in the kitchen table with our kids and nobody talks and everybody speaks and the children say, oh yes, father, that was a great Bible study. No, no, it doesn't happen that way. Like that's not our family. Uh, we have issues. We have issues and problems because we're human. And because we, last week I said that the number one problem in your marriage is you. And because I'm a you, I'm the number one problem in my marriage, so I've got I've to I've get me right 
before I start pointing fingers. Now, I do want to say this. This did not dawn on me at all last week. I, I studied this for like a week and a half, two weeks, and it didn't even cross my mind. But I want to say this just to be crystal clear about something. Um, Last week, I said the number one problem in your marriage is you. Now, I, I didn't leave much room for an exception, but I hope you understood that if you're in an abusive situation, you are not the problem. Like, I hope that's understood, but it, just in case it's not, I just want to say that really plain. Nobody sent an email. Nobody sent a text. Nobody was like, well, what about this? I just, it dawned on me as I was driving home. You know, there are people in abusive situations. And I want you to know you're not the problem, okay? If you're getting hit or, or abused, you're not the problem. You get out, get help. That's what we're here for. Just let us, you know, let us know what we can do and, uh, and we'll, we'll do whatever we can. So outside of an exception like that, you know, where, you know, some kind of uh, issue like that, the number one problem in our marriage is oftentimes is us, our, our issues, our, our, our deals. Um, but, but, you know, you're thinking, well, it, it takes two to, to have a problem. It does. And you know what? 95% of the problem in your marriage might be your spouse, but we can't control them. We can't, we can't, you can't control them as much as you try to do sometimes. You cannot control them. So let's talk about your 5%. Let's get your 5% right before we start, you know, picking at their 95%. Because Jesus said this in, in Scripture, in, in the New Testament. Jesus, this is brilliant the way Jesus says this. And I'm probably going to get the analogy wrong because I always get analogies wrong. But basically, he said, hey, before you go picking out the speck out of your neighbor's eye, why don't you deal with the plank in your own eye? That's all we're saying here. When we say that you're the problem in the marriage, is we're just we're just applying Jesus's words to uh, to to relationships. That before we start dealing with their problems, let's deal with our own first, our own issues. And so, once you've settled on the reality that you and I are the problems in our our marriage, then you have a decision to make. I discovered this week on Friday, actually, as I was uh, prepared, getting ahead on, on the messages in this series, that every message in this series centers around a question. Uh, last week's question was, are you the spouse you want your spouse to be? So again, it's dealing with, am I the person I want them to be? Am I working on myself? This week, uh, it's, it's a different kind of question, but it, but it springs out of that. Once we've settled on, I'm the issue, I'm the problem, I need to work on me. The, one of the ways we work on me is answering this question, what are we fighting for? What are we fighting for? Because here's the deal. You will either fight in your marriage, and what that looks like is, is, is they're not meeting my needs, and, and they're not doing this, and, and, and they need to be doing this, and, and they always say this thing, and, and, and they never go here with me. You see, that's, that's fighting in our marriage against each other. So, so, so how are we fighting? What are we fighting for? Are we fighting in our marriage? Or, and this is what I hope you decide to do today, will I start fighting for my marriage? And what that looks like is exactly what we're talking about today. If you're taking notes uh, and on the back of your program, you can do that. There's actually fill in the blank spots. Uh, if you don't have a program or you don't like writing, you can do it on your phone. Uh, if you have the Uversion app on your phone or tablet or something like that, uh, just click the little live link in there and search for the word vertical and you can find a place to take notes. Here's the first thing that, that kind of where we're springing off of today. Here's how we fight for our marriage. I fight for my marriage when I focus on my responsibilities rather than my rights. 
I fight for my marriage. I'm not fighting in my marriage. I'm not fighting against my spouse. I'm not fighting them. I'm fighting for my marriage when my focus, my attention is on my responsibilities rather than my rights. Now, you might say, well, this sounds real familiar. I've been around here for a few months. And, and that, that idea, responsibilities rather than rights, that sounds real familiar. It should. It should because that's what we base the, uh, the idea of ownership at Vertical Church. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week. Pastor Brian mentioned it. Uh, we've got our first ownership class coming up next Sunday afternoon. Ownership is this. I'm going to be a part of this church I'm going to own the vision of this church. And what that looks like is I'm going to be more focused on my responsibilities to my church than the rights that I have as a member. We, we talked about this back, I think, in October of what, what the church looks like. And, and we said, that's the church, man, when we're focused more on our responsibilities than we are our rights. So plug for ownership class. Uh, if you're not signed up, uh, there's, there's limited slots available because it's a really uh, highly uh, individualized kind of high touch uh, event. And so sign up today on, on your way out. Cool. All right. So the question is, what are we fighting for? Because there's going to be a fight. No question about that. So there's going to be a fight. If you have your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter two. We're going to read the first five verses together, and then I'm just going to break it down verse by verse and, and, and look at what does it look like to fight for our marriage. So you can look at the screen behind me if you don't want to look down at your Bible or you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, let's just read all of this together and then we'll, we'll come back and talk a little bit about it. Uh, verse one, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, this was written by a guy named Paul. Uh, he, we call him the Apostle Paul. He used to, his name was Saul, and then it got changed to Paul when he saw Jesus and got knocked off his horse and was blind for for a while, but that's a whole story in Acts. You can check that out when you go home. Um, he wrote this not about marriage. This passage is not actually about marriage at all. Instead, it's about living like Jesus. It's about taking the attitude and, 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 and the mindset of Jesus Christ. And, and today, what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, if that's what Paul's writing about, here's what it looks like to live like Jesus. What does it look like to live like Jesus as a spouse? What does it look like when two people who are trying to live like Jesus are in marriage together? So since it's about living like Jesus, we can apply it to our lives as husbands and wives. And if you're not married today, if you're single or divorced or widowed or looking or not looking at all, um, you can still take a lot of what we're saying today and apply it to relationships that you have uh, that, that, aren't, that aren't marriage and, and romantic in nature. So let's just break this down kind of verse by verse. In, in, in verse 1, Paul gives us four responsibilities. Remember we said, fighting for my marriage looks like focusing on my responsibilities rather than my rights. And so he gives us four responsibilities that we're to focus on to make sure that we're fighting in the right way, that we're fighting for our marriage, not in our marriage. And the first one uh, is, is right here in, in verse one. They're all right here in verse one. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united 
with Christ. The first thing, the first responsibility that we have as, as spouses, as people who are married, is to encourage each other. Let's, let me just ask you a question. Are you a source of encouragement for your spouse? Do you encourage each other consistently? Are, are, are you speaking well about each other, both in their presence and even more importantly, when they're not there? How do you speak about your spouse? Listen, listen, fellas, this is a big one for us. This one is, is really difficult for us to kind of wrap our minds around because uh, we, we find it popular, especially in our kind of almost Southern culture here in Virginia, but uh, it's still kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's really Southern culture. Um, and a lot of us are from the South. It, it's really popular to like bust on our wives, like to make them the butt of the joke is really, is really cool. And we can get some cheap laughs from our buddies when we're hanging around and, and, and oftentimes like she'll be there and we'll be hanging with our friends, our guy friends, and we'll make her the butt of the joke and they're giggling and laughing and she's laughing, but she's not laughing inside. And I know right now you're thinking, but it's funny. You know what? Who said it was funny? Who, who said it was funny? Because here's what it doesn't do. It doesn't draw her heart to yours. It hurts. Have you ever been the butt of a joke? It's not fun. It's not encouraging. But we have a real problem with this, guys. Sometimes we, 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 try to, we try to get our buddies to like us at the expense of our wife loving us and encouraging her. So, so, so fellas, are you a source of encouragement for her? And I want you to know something. There's a, there's a hidden opportunity when you consistently speak well about your, your, your wife or your husband around other people. Because it's so rare because people are so not accustomed to husbands and wives actually getting along and loving each other and speaking well about each other, that when you're with your friends in the office or at the workplace or, 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 or at the, 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 the restaurant, wherever you're hanging out, and you're speaking well about them, they're going to notice. And they're going to ask, what do you guys have? Because, because that's not how me and my wife act. You're always talking nice about her and you're always so kind and, and you sound like you actually love her. What, what do you have? And there you go, there's an opportunity. Well, what we have is we have Jesus. And Jesus keeps us focused on fighting for our marriage, not in our marriage. And, and I'd really like to, to introduce you to Jesus. Would you like to go to church with me? We've got this awesome series going on right now called Man Versus Wife where you can hear about these kinds of things and your marriage can go to the next level. You see, what, see how that happens? That's a, that, that, act, that doesn't happen at all. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Absolutely it does because it's so rare that people talk nice about each other, especially their spouses. Now, ladies, you don't get off the hook either because, because it's, it's, it's kind of this, this myth in our world that men don't need encouragement, but every man in this room needs encouragement. And you're, and you're thinking, well, if he would do anything good, I'd encourage him. See, you're focused on your rights. <laughs> Let me give you a tip, all right? I'm going I'm to give you a tip, and, and you will never have to lift anything else in your house ever, ever again. Here, here, here's what to do, okay, ladies, you're listening to me. I'm going to help you right now. You will never carry another bag of groceries in your life. Next time your husband picks up something that's remotely heavy, just do this. Just look at him and go, mm, bicep looks good. You'll never have to pick up another thing in your life. We are not complicated creatures. 
You make a comment about a muscle that's rippling, we will carry anything you need carried. We will, we will pick it up and go, hey, honey, look at this. Yeah. Encouragement. Encouragement's good. Encouragement is, is, is helpful, and, and, it, and it draws you to each other. Number two, number two, if any comfort from his love. The second thing, second responsibility that we have as, as spouses is, is to be a source of comfort. Listen, when you walk into the room, does your spouse feel comfort or do they feel conflict? When, when you enter the room, maybe, maybe you get home before uh, they do and, and they walk through the door, your wife walks through the door, you made it home first. Does she feel comforted by your presence or does she automatically feel conflict? Wives, when you walk in the door, are you a source of comfort or are you a source of conflict? Now, I know I was kind of hard on the fellows on the encouragement thing, so let me just balance up the score here. Um, ladies, this is, this is something that, that you really can work on because um, do, do you bring comfort to the marriage or are you that woman? And you know what kind of woman I'm talking about. Do, do you bring comfort or, or, or do, you, do you go into this just emotional eruption and lose your mind and start throwing things at him and he never knows where you're at on the scale? Nobody has experience with that? Nobody? What are you talking about? What do you mean? It's just who I am. No, 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 no. That's evil and that's manipulative and that's words that I can't say as a pastor on the pulpit area, okay? Listen, listen, listen. Before you get like totally offended at me, scripture talks about this. Proverbs 21, 19 says that it's better for a dude to live in the desert alone where things die than to live in a house with a quarrelsome wife. It, scripture says in that, same, in, that, in that same chapter, it's better to live on the corner of your roof than to live with a troublesome woman. So listen, are you a source of comfort or are you that woman? Fellas, you, you're not, you, don't, you don't get to escape, you know? Are you a source of comfort to, your, to her? Well, I don't know, Pastor Josh. Well, ask her. It's not complicated. Our, our job is to bring comfort to our spouse, to, 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 to be a source of, of encouragement and comfort. And listen, that starts with who we are, not who they are. That starts in here, in our heart, not their actions. That starts with us. Number three, if any common sharing in the Spirit. Third thing, third responsibility that we have as spouses is to find ways to spend more time together than apart, to, to find areas of common sharing. Well, she loves to watch me play Xbox for five hours. No, she doesn't. She's lying. <laughs> She's tolerating. She loves to sit beside of you for five hours, but she doesn't really care how much Halo you play. Like, like she's not really that interested in it. She's just been doing that so she could sit beside you. And right now she's like, no, I really do like it. I do. It's the other people. Oh, look, don't lie to each other. If you don't like it, then be honest. Be, because here's what happens if you're not honest. If you tolerate it, if you tolerate it, then, then, then you start living with this low level anger and resentment in your life. You, you start living with this kind of just simmering anger. 
that you never deal with until eventually it just erupts like a volcano. And he's left going, I don't know what happened, man. It just blew up on me. It's because the whole time you weren't being honest. You were tolerating and, 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 and just, just dealing with it instead of actually saying, you know what, let's find some things that we can do together that we both enjoy. Some, some shows that we both like to watch, some activities that we can do together. Do you like to work out together? Do you like to run together? Do you like to watch crime shows together? Do you like to paint together, cook together? I don't, there's all kinds of things you can do together. Some that we're not talking about today. Uh, anyway, all right. Number four, if any tenderness and compassion, tenderness and compassion. What happens, Pastor Josh, if there is something that there is an issue that, that I'm dealing with my junk and, and there's just something that they've got that's, that's really an issue that we need to deal with, then, then you deal with it with tenderness and compassion. You, you speak to them with tenderness and compassion. Specifically, you speak to them, not your circle of friends, not your, 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 your buddies at work. You speak to them about it and you speak with tenderness and compassion. Well, how do I do that? The best way to do that is just to remember I'm not perfect. Like I don't have it all together. I got issues too. That's the easiest way to remember to, to speak with tenderness and compassion. Let me tell you a story. Uh, a few, few months ago, maybe, I guess, um, I was home and Hope was like doing something uh, for the, I don't know if she was out with like with friends or, or a church thing or something, but um, she was late. Okay. She was, she was late. And I was sitting on the couch just getting piping hot mad because I'm like, she said she'd be home at 10 o'clock. It's 1030. Where's she at? She's not responding to the text. She's not answering the phone. She probably doesn't have her phone on. Her phone's probably in the bottom of her purse. She can't even hear it. Like I'm losing my mind. I'm erupting and I'm doing the thing. uh, You know, some of you are like, this is real uncomfortable. Well, I got issues. So just let me work them out. This is like free counseling for me. Okay. Um, I'm sitting, on the, I'm sitting on the couch, and you've done this too. You start preparing that speech. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to show her this, and I'm going to make a chart so she can see how many. And, I, and you never get to deliver that speech, do you? Like, you get it all worked out, and it never comes out right. I promise you, it wasn't three minutes before she walked through the door that, that, that God just, like, smacked me upside the head and says, man, you're really mad right now. I said, yeah, man, i got a right to be mad. And he said, how many times have you been late? And you didn't call, you didn't text, and she never fussed at you at all. You know, I felt about that big. (laughs) And I said, oh God, I've been so focused on the speck in her eye. I've forgotten every time I come home, I'm late. Like I'm never on time. And so I calmed down really quickly and I shut up. And when she came home, I said, hey, how was your evening? great. Sorry, I'm late. Not a problem at all. (laughs) She didn't know that I was mad until just now. So uh, anyway, (laughs) tenderness and compassion starts when we realize, man, I'm not perfect. I got so many issues. I got, I got more issues than Sports Illustrated. Like, like they just, they just line up and stack up that it's not even funny. And so having that perspective allows us to, to, to be focused on humility and grace and tenderness and compassion. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2, he says, so with these four responsibilities, focused on being encouragement, focused on being comfort, focused on common sharing and, and speaking with tenderness and compassion, then he says, then make my joy complete 
by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. In other words, he, he says, if we apply this to marriage, he says, he says, you know that whole like the two become one thing? Yeah, live like it. Both people, if both people are, are focusing on their responsibility to be an encouragement, to be a comfort, to find areas of common sharing, to speak with each other, to each other with tenderness and compassion, then, then you're in a, a like mind. But, but Pastor Josh, we're so different. You don't understand. We're so different. Of course you're different. You're a dude and she's a girl. You're different. Like we learned that in sixth grade, health class. We're different. Uh, men get mad and punch things. Girls get mad and take a bath, you know? Like, we're different. <laughs> I have yet to meet a dude who's like, Josh, man, I'm so stressed, and I'm just so mad. I'm going to go home. I'm going to light me some lavender candles and just let Calgon take me away. <laughs> no, I've never met a guy like that. Now, if you're the guy that likes to take baths, more power to you. Go for it, man. Like, fill that bubble bath up. But, but I punch things. I, 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 I just try not to punch people. And uh, walls don't hit back, you know. Um, but of course we're different. Like, just because we're different doesn't mean we can't be like-minded. Just because we're different doesn't mean that, that, that we can't be one in spirit. And, and, and here's how you're one in spirit. Both of you are focused on your responsibilities rather than your rights. See, there's power when, when, when people are pursuing a shared vision together. There's power when people are pursuing the same purpose and the same responsibilities. Well, Pastor Josh, what if my spouse is not a believer? What if my spouse isn't even Christian? What if they're not, totally not even concerned with, with living like Jesus? And, and what, if they're, what if they're on a totally different plane spiritually? How do I do that then? You know what? That's tough. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's hard. I grew up in that house. My mom, she, she loved Jesus and she was at church every time the doors open. And sometimes she opened the doors just to get in church. And, and my dad spent Sunday morning sitting on his recliner or on my mamaw's porch. I know what that, 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 that house is like when one person is a believer and the other person isn't, and it's hard. And I can't tell you anything that makes it easier, but I can give you some really good advice. Just, it sounds so simple. Just focus on pursuing Jesus with everything that you have. Focus on, on, on chasing after Jesus. Don't, don't give up hope. Don't give up praying for your spouse, but also understand that you can't change them. You can't make them a believer. You can't make them accept Jesus. You can't push them into it. In fact, sometimes we try to change them so much that all we do, we're, we're trying to like push the gospel to them, but all we're doing is creating arguments and we're creating strife and we're creating tension and turmoil. So, so my advice is just to pursue Jesus with everything you have. Stop trying to change them and believe and pray for a miracle because the reality is only God saves only Jesus saves. You can't save. I can't save. We pray for them. We believe for a miracle. And then we live to the glory of God to the very best that we can so that we are a shining example of the love of Christ. And, 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 and scripture says that if we'll do that, per, by chance, perhaps 
hopefully their heart will be drawn to Jesus and their life will be changed. But you can't change them. I can't change them. Only Jesus can change them. Look at this, verse three and four. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. I mean, gosh, what, what would happen if we just took those two verses and we applied them to our marriage? I'm not going to do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. My wife loves foot rubs. Does your wife love foot rubs? Like my wife loves foot rubs. And I learned that early on, that, that, that if I will rub her feet, then she is more inclined to be receptive to any requests that I might make later on. And so one time, um, one time I, I kind of conspired in my head. I was like, I'm going to give the foot rub that ends all foot rubs. This is going to go down in the Guinness Book of World Records as the greatest foot rub of all time. This is going to be awesome. So she didn't even ask. I just grabbed her foot and I started rubbing it. And she smiled. She's like, oh, thank you. And I'm rubbing that foot. And I'm not just doing, I'm not just like rubbing the foot, but I'm like working on the calf and the shin and the knee. And I'm I'm like 30 minutes on one foot. Like, oh, and I I, I put it down. 30 minutes later, I, I put the foot down. And I know she's thinking, oh man, that was great. But you only did one foot. So I grabbed the other one. 30 more minutes rubbing that foot rubbing the calf, the shin, doing, you know, this, this, an hour later, an hour foot rub. I put it down. I was like, there you go. You're welcome. She's like, oh, thank you. About 10 minutes later, I said, would you rub my back? My back, my shoulders are kind of sore. So she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I rub. And she starts rubbing my shoulders and I'm, I lay down. I'm thinking, oh yeah, I got an hour massage coming. This is going to be awesome. 15 minutes later, and she's like, there you go. Is that good? I said, hold up. <laughs> I, I rubbed your feet for an hour. Like, like seriously. I looked on the clock. I, each foot got 30 minutes. 30 plus 30 is 60. 60 minutes is an hour. You only rubbed my back for 15 minutes. What? She goes, you know, and the way only your wife can do, she's like, I didn't know we were keeping score. I thought you did that just because you loved me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. How many times do we do things for our spouse and there's strings attached to them? You do this for me, I'll do this for you. I'll do this, now you got to return the favor. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't expect anything in return. Do it simply because you love, not because you're expecting to receive something back. Verse five, look at this uh, as we kind of get, get ready to wrap up. Uh, in, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There, there, there it goes. He says, have the same mindset as Jesus. Has your spouse ever accused you of looking like Jesus? Like, you just look too much like Jesus. I wish you would just stop acting like Jesus so much. Mine hasn't either. And so we got work to do. <laughs> if, here's another way to think about that. If, 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 uh, if you stood beside Jesus, would anybody, can, would anybody confuse you as twins? No? Then we got work to do. We, we got work to do. We've got we, we, we've to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So, so how did Jesus live? 
That's the question. What does that look like? Well, see, what if Jesus showed up on our planet 2,000 years ago, focused on his rights? What if Jesus shows up and says, I have the right to be worshiped. I have the right to be honored. I have, I have the right to, I have the right to declare that you're unholy and send you to hell right now. Look, if Jesus showed up with his focus on his rights, then we'd all be doomed. We'd all be doomed. But he doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't show up focused on his rights. He shows up in a humble manger, in a cave, kind of the backwoods of Israel. He, he shows up bearing the weight of the cross. Look how Paul describes Jesus in the rest of this passage. Verse 6. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used of his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. What does it look like to fight for your marriage? What does it look like to focus on those responsibilities rather than your rights? It looks like taking the form of a servant. Entering into your marriage with the mindset that I'm here to serve, not be served. I'm here to serve you. And, and when two servants come together in a marriage, then that marriage is awesome. If it's a servant and, 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 and you know, a dictator, well, that's not good. <laughs> if it's like two dictators, then y'all just fighting at all times. But, but when it's two servants, then that's a marriage that can just go beyond anything that you've ever dreamed of. Look, look what Paul goes on to say. He says, he took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So because Jesus humbles himself, look what happens. Therefore, God exalts him to the highest place. If you want your marriage to go to the highest place, start out by humbling yourself. If you want your marriage to go high, you've got to go low. He says he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, when Jesus showed up, Jesus didn't demand our affection. He fought for it. Jesus didn't show up demanding our love, demanding our affection. He fought for it. And so often in our marriages, we do the exact opposite. We show up demanding affection and then fighting when we don't get it. Paul says, Paul says we ought to live like Jesus. Jesus had the right to be worshipped, but he had the responsibility to reconcile us to the Father. Jesus, Jesus had the right to, to, to stand at the center and proclaim himself God because that's who he was, but he had the responsibility of fighting for us. Jesus humbles himself and he takes the servant's role and he's elevated beyond every name. If you want your marriage to go beyond everything you could imagine, live like Jesus. Take the position of a servant, focused on your responsibilities rather than your rights.
I want to give you some homework before we wrap up and pray today. What are you talking about? Homework? Yeah, homework. Here's what I want you to do this week. Just for, just for this week. Start today and then every morning when you wake up for the next six days through Saturday. Wake up and read this passage. Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. Read this passage and then pray these two things. Pray these two things. Pray, Jesus, show me where I fall short of being the spouse I need to be. And number two, Jesus, teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. I'm going to make you a promise. If you'll do that for the next week, you'll wake up, read this passage, and pray those two things. I'll make you a promise that if you choose to fight for your marriage on your knees before God for just a week, you will see something awesome and amazing take place in your life. Seven days, today and the next six, read this scripture, pray those two things. Jesus, show me where I fall short being the spouse I need to be. And then Lord, teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. Let me pray for you today. Lord, that's our, that's our goal in this series is that, is that we would see where we fall short of being the person that you want us to be and that we would see our, our, our spouse through your eyes, that we would see them the way you see them. So today, God, help us to remember to be focused on our responsibilities, not our rights. Help us to be focused on being sources of encouragement and comfort, finding ways to spend time together, speaking to each other with tenderness and compassion, taking the humble approach, taking the servant's role, living like Jesus. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus shows up and he fought for us. And I want you to know something today, man. He's still fighting for you today. He didn't stop fighting when he ascended into heaven. He's still fighting for you. And today can be your day. Today can be the day you turn it all around. Today can be the, 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 the beginning of the day when you start fighting for your marriage. When you start fighting for your spouse, not against them. They're not the enemy. You have an enemy and it's not them. So fight together. And it all can begin. If, 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 if you don't know Jesus, the first step for you today is to come and surrender your life to Jesus. That's your first step of fighting for your marriage. It's surrendering your life to the one who fought for you. You're saying, well, I don't, maybe I did that as a kid or on a vacation. I don't really know. Well, listen, just, just think back. When was the day you declared that you would follow and serve Jesus forever? When was the moment that you surrendered to him? And you said, Lord, I give you my life. Make me new. I surrender all of my rights to you. Forgive me of my shortcomings. Forgive me of all the ways that I am mistake prone and all the mess ups that I do. Make me new. Give me your spirit to live inside of me. If you haven't prayed that, 
And if you don't remember when, if you're just like, man, I, I was just born in church. It's always, I've always gone to church or I always found a church wherever I live. Then you need to seal the deal today. You need to surrender your life to him. It's your first step towards Jesus. And I want to make it just real simple for you. If, if that's you, I just want you to, to just pray this with me. If that's you and you say, Pastor Josh, I'm, I, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to take that step of, of faith. I need to in, invite him to forgive me. I, I, I believe that, that he is who he said he was and that he's our savior and, and I'm ready to, to give him my life. Then just pray this, say, Jesus, I admit that I'm far from you. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it under your breath. Just, Jesus, I admit that I'm far from you, that we're not in relationship, that we're separated. I admit that I have not surrendered my life to you. I believe, Jesus, that you took the humble approach, that you humbled yourself even to death and you died for me so that I could live for you. Today, God, I declare that you are my Lord and I am going to follow you, that I am surrendered to you. I give up my rights and I take on responsibilities to live like you. If that's you, friend, I want you to tell somebody. I want you to do it like this. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's peeking. Nobody's eyes are open. Everybody's just kind of praying right now. So nobody's looking around. I want to make it really easy for you to tell somebody. And I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to lift your hand up and put it right back down. Why the count of three? So you'll know when to do it. There's nothing special about that. There's nothing special about raising your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you and it doesn't not save you. It's just a way of telling somebody, yes, I just prayed that prayer. One, I've given my life to Jesus today. Two, I've surrendered to him. I've taken that step. Three, just lift your hand up and right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Invite everybody in the room just to just to pray one more time with me for our marriages that, that we would just be focused on our responsibilities. And if you just took that step of faith, join in with us in this prayer because now your whole life has been made new. And God has done a new thing in you. And so let's take another step together. Lord Jesus, would you just, would you help us to focus not on our rights, but on our responsibilities in this relationship? Help us to be encouraging. Help us to be comforting. Help us to... Uh, find ways to spend time together and help us, God, to speak with tenderness and compassion. Help us work on, on, on us. Work on me first so that I can be who you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to me. If you're in a marriage that's rough right now, you've hit a rough patch and you've got, you've got some issues and you're fi- finding yourself fighting with each other a lot, let me ask you to do two things. Number one, ask for help. You can't, you can't get help unless you ask for help. Nobody at this church is going to come prying their nose in your business and say, you need some help. Let me help you. We don't, we don't do that. We're not like that. So if you're like, man, our marriage, we need some help. Ask for help. And number two, be here for the next three weeks. This is my first time. I don't know if I'm coming back. Okay, fine. Don't come back after week five, but come back for the next three weeks. 
because the next three weeks are going to help you, okay? They're going to help you continue taking that step so that your marriage becomes everything that God wants it to be, okay? So those are two things. Ask for help and be here for the next three weeks. And bring somebody with you because experiences like this are better together uh, when you share them with others. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.